Deep down in your gut, you know there's more to life than waking up for school or work, going through the motions just to get by, and living for the weekend. But you're still scared and uncertain about what your true purpose in life is. Welcome to the Free Time Podcast, your very own community and virtual support group created to help you leverage your free time as a valuable asset so you can start to improve your mindset, learn self-empowerment skills, and ultimately find true fulfillment to move you towards the incredible life that was specifically created for you to live. This is more than a podcast dropping three episodes a week. This is a movement built around real people sharing real stories focused on helping you make the most of your life by becoming super intentional with your time. Brought to you by your host, Carl Sona. Being able to live in the gray area where you don't necessarily have control, you're just putting out effort and it's just a universal energy exchange, like something's bound to come back. You put out effort for better or for worse, something will come back to you. Now, before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a quick announcement. We're on a mission to build a movement here around the topics of self-empowerment, mental health, and personal fulfillment. These are all some really big topics that we all deal with as human beings, but also they're topics that will look a little different for each of us as individuals. And so I'd love to put a name with the face and learn more about who you are and where you are currently along your journey. So I'm super excited to announce that I'm offering free 15-minute Zoom phone calls with me in order for us to get better acquainted. If you're at all interested in this, please hit the link to my calendar in the show notes below to sign up for a time, and I'll see you there. Now, without further ado, let's jump into our episode today. Hello, everybody. It's your host, Carl Sona. Welcome back to another episode of the Free Time Podcast. Hey, guys, I want to thank you for, first of all, tuning in. I certainly realize that your time is so precious and it's very valuable and it's an honor and a privilege that you spend some of it with me and my guests. Speaking of my guests, I'm so excited for today's recording. We've got a very, very special individual on by the name of Christina Marie. Christina Marie is a passionate young lady that's focused on body positivity. She's the founder of Body Positive Events that she has formally attached her own face and her voice to in an effort to give people a platform and a community to love themselves more openly and wholeheartedly. Christina Marie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I couldn't be more excited to be here. Absolutely. You and I got connected, I think a few months ago before the holidays, kind of on a whim. And it was one of those random meetups because, um, you know, I didn't know you prior to mm-hmm. the the actual like meetup. But when I left walking away from our conversation, I just was like absolutely filled with energy and just like mm-hmm. a new light, so to speak, because you just approached me wholeheartedly with your story and with your passion that's focused on body positivity and your energy was just so exuberant. It's kind of hard to come by that. So I want to commend and acknowledge you for that. Thank you so much. Obviously, like I literally love what I do. I can't wait to share more about that on yeah. the podcast, but also I do feel 
there's sometimes just these magical moments or these magical connections that are undeniable mm -hmm. and being able to connect with another person in the mental health care space where I can share my passion so freely and openly, even to what brought us to be sitting here talking on your podcast today. I think yeah. there was some kind of divine timing. There are just these things I look back on even on my own journey and in my own life where I'm like, that was a meant to be moment where you and this other person are going to help other people in a really big way. And isn't that the point of all of this? You know, our existence is to go through our own individual experiences and find a way to figure out how those experiences are serving us and how they can ultimately serve others, right? And we don't ever have the opportunity to find a way as to how they can serve others unless we are willing to do our own work, right? Yes. Take care of our own shit and then actually be courageous enough to open up about what that work has looked like and to open up about yeah. our stories in order to give other people an opportunity to get a little bit of like a window view in to what we've gone through and be like, wow, I've gone through something similar to that. Like I resonate with what Christina is doing. I feel like I've got, you know, some hope or a community to help pull me through my thing. So if you don't mind, like talk to us a little bit about how you've been able to, because I know, you, you know, you obviously have a story in yeah. your own personal journey with mental health, but talk to us about how you made that affirmative decision, you know, coming through your experience to say, you know what, I'm not going to just hold on to these experiences to myself. I'm going mm -hmm. to be actually bold and courageous enough to be a voice behind this space, yeah. given what I've lived through. I think you reach a point in your own journey, even if it's not sharing it in a very public forum or on a social media space in the same way that I have and you have. My Instagram and Facebook, Christina Marie, Christina Marie's mantra, actually is the more formal name of my company, but I openly share about how I struggled with anorexia for 10 years and I was able to find recovery from that. I think it just there came a point in time for me where I thought even as I was writing it down on a piece of paper, the first time I ever wanted to do public speaking, which was in Massachusetts, uh -huh. um, I ended up doing it at an eating disorder treatment center up in Newton, which is right outside of Boston. Isn't that where like there was like that shooting or something a while ago at, at, at Sandy Hook? Oh, Sandy Hook is Connecticut. Oh, okay. Far. Sorry. No, no, trust me. I've like, I lived on the East Coast for 20 years, but I do think um, what I noticed and observed in the East Coast just as a culture overall, there wasn't as much openness. And when I found recovery from anorexia and was able to have this freedom inside of me, it didn't mean that my life was perfect. It didn't mean that my thought patterns were necessarily different, but I realized that the eating disorder was a catalyst for change. And it was just my body and my mentality were shifting and changing. And I was trying to grow as a person and I didn't know how to express my truth or what I needed. I don't know if that makes any sense, but my eating disorder on a very physical and mental level was my version of trying to tell the truth, and I didn't know how else to say that. I grew up in a family where perfectionism was a high standard, and it was really hard to achieve that for me, for my peers, for my siblings, but there was, I felt all this pressure around me to be the very best version of myself, and I think some of that, which I've shared openly before as well, was a bit more self-induced, like I already was more of a type A person, you could say, and an anxious type. So putting that pressure on myself, feeling that pressure around me caused the eating disorder. But again, I was just trying to say, hey, I'm not okay and I need help. Uh, my mental illness and my struggle was more of a cry for help than anything else. So when I reached the point in my recovery journey where I could accept, that's what it was. It wasn't that I was this flawed 
awful, unworthy person. Those were some of the words that came up for me on my journey for a really long time that held me back. I felt I could finally say to other people openly and honestly about my experience and share my story because I'm like, this is just my version of the truth and we all have that. Mm -hmm. But for some people, it comes out as mental illness. For some people, it comes out as addiction. But the more you're able to face yourself and see your truth, even if that's just with one or two people who love you or on Instagram, whatever it is, I actually really do encourage that because when I was able to speak at a treatment center, and I only spoke the first time for about 10 or 15 minutes, but I just shared, hey, here's what I went through, here's where I'm at now, here's why I feel a little bit better about me and why I'm here today speaking to you. And all these hands shot up around the room and people had all these questions. There were men and women who were struggling with eating disorders. There were all different ages across the room. I didn't have all the answers. I was just willing to do that. It was something so powerful that came from just sharing. Again, I don't even really think it matters if it's with one or two people or with a lot of people just starting to do it, even on whatever right. small level it is or on a podcast here today. Right, right. No, thank you for opening up about that so beautifully. I think that's all really well spoken. And, you know, one of the things really kind of called to my attention was this idea of being in this environment growing up that was that set a high precedent in terms of, you know, the pressure and how you're expected to sort of behave. I've heard from other people that have had eating disorders or other addictions that, you know, they were also put into like these incubator environments well, where they felt like they didn't have any control. So mm -hmm. this thing that they developed in the back end was like their opportunity to control something. Yes. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think, you know, the audience by and large, they're, they're trying to really figure out what the whole point of this is. What's the point yeah. of life? Who, you know, who am I? What's my identity? What's mm -hmm. my unique value add to the world? Mm -hmm. Like like in, a, in an actual, like, unique way. And sometimes they're put into vehicles that they don't really feel match up to their alignment. And they may be struggling with these things on a mental type of level. You know, I think you now negative feelings... Yeah about yourself mm -hmm. are a message to pay attention. That's something that was super critical for me as well. Instead of just simply accepting, because there are so many thoughts that come into our heads every single day, and statistically a lot of them are on the negative side, instead of just accepting the labels of I'm unworthy, I'm not good enough, I'll never reach these standards, their messages to pay attention and like what part of my life or what part of myself am I not loving? What part of me needs more attention? Like for instance, because I've been unhappy in job environments before and things like that, you know, the older version of me, let's say, that had more eating disordered issues, um, especially back in college, would think if a class or a job wasn't working out for me, you know, oh, there's something wrong with me, or I'd give into these negative thoughts, like I'll never get through this class, or like, you know, I'll never be who my boss wants me to be, and you take on these negative mantras, essentially. I just wasn't realizing, hey, there's actually an area of my life that I'm not being totally honest on myself with. So yeah, maybe the job's not the right fit or the relationship or whatever it is. But sometimes in a really non-judgmental way, that's saying more about where you're at with yourself. I'm like, what part of me is believing I should be in a class that's not working out for me? Or maybe I should, you know, try a little harder. Mm -hmm. And if things still aren't paying off, like, 
again, instead of having the one track mindset, which is something I struggled with a lot in my mental health, life either had to be black or it either had to be white. Like it, I wasn't allowed to think outside of those terms is something that I imposed yeah. on myself. Yeah. Being able to live in the gray area where you don't necessarily have control, you're just putting out effort and it's just a universal energy exchange. Like something's bound to come back. You put out effort for better or for worse, something will come back to you instead of accepting what comes back as a reflection on you as being a bad person. Hey, like all of us put out effort. Sometimes things work out in life. Sometimes they don't. If it doesn't work out, it's just an opportunity for you to grow and love yourself more. If this makes any sense. See, yeah, that's beautiful because I think what you're getting at is this idea of being essentially outcome independent. Like, and being focused on the inputs that you can control. How are you showing up to the world? You know, mm -hmm. doing the work and asking yourself the questions with regard to what what is light for you? What feels mm -hmm. spiritually aligned? You know, what career opportunities do you feel like are the right thing for you to pursue versus what, you know, external influences want to tell yeah, you? Yeah, what the world tells you. Sometimes it's really hard, even when it's when like people who yeah. love you, what your family are telling you. I'm actually really excited to be able to talk today about something that isn't always easy to talk about, but I think it's important because I felt last year and then leading up into now, especially on my own journey with everything I've struggled with, with having an eating disorder and having generalized anxiety for most of my life, not fitting in certain professions or not really feeling accepted by everyone, which is something that used to be a lot harder for me to sit with, where now I'm at the point where I'd rather be my own individual self and keep working on my healing, saying positive things to myself every day. Positive mantras have been really good for me on my journey. That's why I want to help yeah. other people in the way that they speak to themselves. Yeah. But that also through honest story sharing, it's far more important to be authentic and kind of, hey, this is me, take it or leave it. I'm practicing self-love and I hope that you can accept the version of me I want to be versus, again, trying to live up to standards, whether they're imposed in your head or coming from society or other people that like, there's only one way to do this. Again, that comes down to the black and white. That could be a really in-depth conversation, but in the most simple version, like, why do you need to go down like option A or option B when sometimes you have that ability through being your authentic self to have option C, that gray area yeah. of life? So let's revisit your personal story. So you're yeah. in Massachusetts, you're going through recovery mm -hmm. for the eating disorder, anorexia, yes. right? And you're starting to have some breakthroughs, right? Mm -hmm. How far into your journey do you realize that there is this gray area that really is an option for you that's viable to explore who Christina Marie really is, to take some of that yeah. control back that clearly you felt you had lost with having to go through option A or option C where the eating disorder, you know, took a hold of you. I definitely had that aha moment uh, after speaking at that treatment center. And that was when I was in college. So even though at that point in my recovery, because um, I struggled with an eating disorder for a very long time, like I was diagnosed when I was 11. So that was more in middle school. And then reaching the college point, I was stable in my weight, but I was not stable in my mind. And I still think I struggled with body dysmorphia, which definitely included, you know, looking in the mirror, not seeing the accurate reflection of me, being hypercritical of my body, things like that, and still not 100% enjoying the skin that I'm in. But after that moment, I'm like, well, I don't have to be this perfect person to help other people. I just have to be truthful and honest. And if I have that heart of wanting to share my story and wanting to help other people through something terrible that I went through, 
you know, perhaps I can do this in a whole new environment. And for me, it took really moving to Colorado mm. to enhance, take that one moment and turn it into many moments. Colorado was kind of like the gift I felt I wanted to give myself, like the fresh start, yeah. uh, just kind of like hitting the reset button. Cause where I'm from on Cape Cod is a really small place. And I kind of just felt like I was that anorexic person and nobody wants to be labeled like that addict, that anorexic, that person who's messed up. And it was really hard to kind of shake that because I had struggled for so many years. And I'm like, well, if I want to start over, have like the most real version of myself show up in life and have an identity that I feel I identify with more than the eating disorder, because you do with mental illness, you can sometimes identify a lot with the disorder and forget that that's only a part of you and that's a part of you that's struggling to tell the truth. It's not all of you. You are so much more than your mental illness. People don't love you for, this is something that I learned here in Colorado, people don't love you for what you look like. People in your life who also really love you don't really care what university you went to or graduated from or how much money you make. And that was a shift that came to me when I moved here and I started doing more volunteer work with organizations like Mental Health Colorado and the Eating Disorder Foundation, which meant more story sharing in a public speaking format at public schools, private schools, high school, college. And once I was more comfortable with sharing my story with, it was kind of the opposite for me. I had to be really comfortable sharing my story with strangers before I could be really comfortable sharing my story with people I was close with. Again, that's the total opposite, but that's also the total truth. <laughs> I find that a lot of people would agree with that, though. I mean, I think about my own personal journey and, you know, what I'm trying to do with podcasting and building up my company. Like, I've had some of the hardest times explaining to the people closest to me, for instance, my parents, mm -hmm. what it is I'm working on and what it is I'm doing. And I don't know why that is. I think part of it is because for the longest time, they've just viewed me as Carl, their son, you know, yeah. and that's their reality. And I'm like a people pleaser person too. So I, I do my best not to like rough in the waters too much to just yeah. keep people like comfortable in their zone. Like I'm very, I'm an empath that way, mm -hmm. right? Versus somebody that doesn't know me. It's kind of similar to how you left Cape Cod and you came to Colorado. It's like a fresh start, right? With, mm -hmm. with a new person. I find that it's like a, a blank slate almost yeah. to like recreate myself, to, to put into the universe. No, like I'm not just Carl, this working professional guy, like I'm Carl, the podcaster, motivational speaker, these different things that I feel like those that are closest to you that kind of know you, they're a little too close to the situation. They kind of like just like, you know, snicker at like, okay, like, mm, yeah. we'll see, you know? So now you're in Colorado to revisit your story. You're mm -hmm. in Colorado. You're starting to openly share more. Talk to me about how you reconcile this, this urge, this desire, this want to share more about where you've been. Mm -hmm and maybe some of like the challenges that come in the way of resistance and or fear to actually yeah. do it. Like those are two different things, right? I think a lot of people that listen to the show have a want, have a desire, but there are things that are in the way of actually taking the action, whether it's like a narrative in their mind or self-limiting beliefs, whatever the case may be. So a mantra that I have, that I have to say to myself all the time, rejection is redirection. I think that stems from a childhood fear that I had for a really long time. I think it's also on a very biological evolutionary level. You want to fit in, you want to be a part of something and to own yourself authentically and to be vulnerable with other people 
is showing that maybe you're a little different because you're not really going with the status quo. You're not pretending everything's fine. And when people ask you, hey, how are you today? And you, you're you actually wanting to tell them the truth, it might not be, I'm good. It might be like, I honestly could be better. And then you're hoping the response will be, hey, can we talk more about tell that? Tell me more about of, that, yeah. Oh, like what's wrong with you? Right. Or assuming, you know, the worst kind of thing. And for me, it's hard to accept that the most authentic version of me might not be accepted mm. or might not be liked by everyone. And when I'm trying to create a business that's centered around helping people who have mental illness, uh, people who are struggling with eating disorders, but also just the everyday person who might not like their body or might be saying negative things to themselves, having to approach that and my message to different types of people, that's also kind of scary because you know you're not going to make everybody happy. It's just not possible. Right. But I know telling the truth is so much more important than the life I lived with anorexia for 10 years where a lot of it was a lie. Yeah. And another mantra and a truth that's been said, which is also hard to hear, is that hurt people hurt people. So if you aren't helping yourself and you're not trying to grow into a better version of you and speaking your truth, again, it doesn't mean you have to share it in every format possible. There are hurts you could be perpetuating in yourself that could hurt the people around you. So at this point for me, I don't want to cause anyone any harm or ill will because I do know what it's like to live and be that sick person for a really long time. And I was being a little selfish. I definitely could have been working at my recovery a little harder. Yeah. Um, but once I was finally able to let go of things that were not meant for me, like the eating disorder and the negative self-talk and was able to lean into these new mantras mm -hmm. and these new positive ways of viewing myself, I think that was helping other people around me and it still is. But again, you always, as a, a creator, you have that fear of not being accepted by other people and that for sharing your mental illness. Unfortunately, the stigmas are still attached of you're crazy or if there's something wrong with you, people won't be able to love or accept the real version of you. And as I'm trying to move through that and create more positive mantras around it, I want to help other people see that. But again, that's something that I'm experiencing. That's a very real yeah. thing for me a lot of the time. I'm, I'm not yeah. this person who has it all figured out. I still deal with the negativity in my mind too, but I just have a completely different way of viewing it now. And I know that it's not the absolute truth yeah. about me. Yeah. I love that. I love both these mantras, rejection is redirection and hurt people hurt people. I think that in some way, shape or form, a lot of us can resonate and relate to both of these. And so actually, I, I want us to do a fun little exercise. Let's do it. Yeah, let's get a little raw. Let's go a little deeper. I think a lot of people, mental health, it's a big cloud, right? And I, I don't know that the, over, the audience, by and large, really understand what all encompasses mental health. I mean, you know, as they're listening to this recording, maybe they're even trying to assess themselves or a loved one with regard mm -hmm. to, you know, maybe a general concern that they may have for somebody. So in an effort to clarify this space a little bit, and I know that we can only do so much in one recording, explain to me what mental health is, okay? And I want us mm -hmm. to start there and then sort of reverse engineer, you know, mental health, maybe somebody that's working on figuring out where their current status is and how we build towards like a more positive mantra. Mm -hmm. So let's start with what is mental health? You know, how does that relate to us as human beings having this shared living experience here? On I Earth? think aside from saying mental health and physical health should definitely be more equal and they should both be viewed as very important. To me, mental health is 
self-acceptance. And it doesn't mean you have this magical ability to accept who you are 100% of the time, but for better or for worse, you know what the truth is about you. You have self-awareness to the point where you understand what your triggers are. You have taken the time to perhaps read some books. You've taken some time alone to really figure out how to address your mental illness in a healthy way with healthy coping skills. But knowing that at any point in time, there could be factors that are either within your control or not in your control that could change your mental state, mm. but you're going to do your best to show up differently than you did yesterday. That's it. Yeah. It's a day by day thing that does get easier as time goes on, but you have to understand that even on your own journey of self-love and that self-acceptance, you're not going to show up perfectly every day. And there are going to be things in your life that challenge you to and say, hey, like, do you actually accept yourself? Hey, do you actually love who you are? But every time, the only difference now for me, as far as mental health goes, again, I still have the dark days. I still struggle with the dark thoughts. But how I choose to not act on them is I say, look, whatever this thought is, that's a negative mantra, it just, instead of accepting it as, let's say I have the thought of I'm unworthy, that is coming from somewhere and I don't just have to openly accept it, but I need to understand it just means pay attention. It doesn't mean hate myself. It doesn't mean harm myself. When I see those words, because I'm a very visual person, I am unworthy or they pop up for me, hey, what am I not paying attention to in my life? Do I need to do more self-care? Do I need to assess how much I'm working? Do I need to look at some of my relationships a little more closely? Because that's all that they are. It's just a reminder, pay attention to yourself, know yourself, have self-worth and self-appreciation. But again, like without going into too many details, I try to just break it down in more of a simple way. It just means, hey, like something in your life might not be working to help you be the best version of who you can be. Right, right. I kind of think of it as like little indicators that would go off in your dashboard, you know, flashing yes. like, hey, it's time to get a tune up on the engine or, hey, it's time to top off your oil levels. Like a little something's out of whack, out of balance. And I think I'm particularly really interested. I mean, this is called the free time podcast for a reason, because I feel as though that could be a sacred time for us to come to know ourselves a bit better. I think a lot of people haven't really done the work to get clear on when they're out of whack. Yeah. They're just kind of walking in like the same pattern of perpetual nothingness. And so to get even more granular, okay, now we know what mental health is. How do we start to get a clear assessment as to where we are? Like what are some things we can do to start to figure out where we're out of whack? And why I call this show with the Free Time Podcast was when I was going through my own mental health struggles, all I was doing on my weekends, you know, I'd go to work. I was mm -hmm. this super hyper alpha male competitive salesman just trying to hit the numbers. I'd come home, lock myself in my apartment for the entire, you know, weekend, Friday to Sunday, barely leave. Postmates was a huge thing at, the, at, at that time. And literally just smoke marijuana and just drink alcohol. Like, I, like, that's where I was. And that to me was, again, that indicator on the dashboard that, okay, these probably aren't the most healthy or beneficial things to be doing with all yep. of your time. Maybe something's out of whack a here. Huge, a huge indicator that something is off in your life. And even if you're not quite sure what it is, you have a little inclination, something could be amiss, yeah. is numbing out. 
That's a behavior I've been very familiar with. It's come up uh, when I've chatted with other women, done women's panels, but when you're either using substances to numb out, using people, your profession, because there's something, sometimes you're not even sure what it is you could be trying to avoid, but when I look back on my own life and I see behaviors I engage in where I'm using something to numb out and not have to feel, mm. that even comes down to, I remember with my eating disorder days, that's why I had an eating disorder in the first place. I didn't want to feel some things that were really difficult that were really holding me back. Mm -hmm. uh, I completely agree with that. I think for me, there were feelings with regard to lack of self-worth. Um, you know, I didn't have the greatest self-esteem even though on the outside. I'd come across as if I was super confident and bold and gregarious, but I didn't feel that way on the inside and not really knowing how to like mend that misalignment. You know, it led me towards just doing the autopilot action, right? That was sort of numbing these different things I didn't want to address. And so there comes a time, there comes a breakthrough moment, you kind of talked about yours, where you start to address these things mm -hmm. to sort of take the power back, right? To kind of remove yourself from this big thing that's like a thumb that's casting a shadow over you. So can you talk a little bit about how people that start to, you know, clue into what some of these numbing factors are can start to have a better relationship with them? Because I think a big thing for me was sitting with my therapist and realizing that, these things, while they were causing me grief and they were challenges in my life, while they were there in my life, they weren't who I was. I think I was attaching yeah. them to so much of my identity and my self-worth that was causing me to run away from it. There's a huge it. difference. You know what I mean? Versus just recognizing that thing for what it is, a fleeting dark thought or whatever the case may be, and be like, huh, there's that thing again. Now, mm -hmm. what's the healthy way to address it and then move forward with a more positive outlook? There's sort of different analogies. I, I've been in eating disorder treatment too, and I've been to therapy, so you hear all different ones. But the easiest thing for me with my eating disorder was it was like putting on a jacket, and it was just this dark black colored jacket, and I'm walking around with it every day. And when something came up for me in my relationships, I was going to be faced with the fact I was going to mess up and make a mistake. I, you know, I felt like I was going to fail at it or, you know, whether it was school, work, it didn't matter what it was. As long as I had that dark jacket, nope, I don't have to feel the negative aftermath of that. I don't have to wallow in the pity of what comes from accepting being a human being, which is being flawed. And I use this as a tool. So I'm just walking around with this dark jacket every day. But the problem was is that as I'm walking around and I'm refusing to take off this identity of sorts, I didn't get the opportunity to show people who I really was. So people, first off, they only get to know one version of you, which isn't fair. You have so much more to offer the world than any mental illness or any negative feeling. But as I kept doing it, I'm like, well, this has become more of a subconscious behavior. But at some point I had to take responsibility that I'm still choosing to leave the house every day and I'm not even questioning why I'm putting on the jacket anymore. It's just happening. That's where you reach a point of, again, mental illness is really tricky, but I numbed myself out for so long that I needed to start questioning. I needed to make, it sounds silly, but I've talked about it before too, the pros and cons list. Um, what am I really doing every single day that's making me happy from having this jacket on mm. and 
is there, because that's kind of how, you know, recovery starts or how mental health awareness and learning how to live with a mental illness starts, just even questioning, like, what is this actually doing for you? And for me, the list of pros and cons, at first there were all these pros to having the eating disorder, but as I actually started just observing my life with Ed in it, I was realizing, well, I'm actually not really choosing what I'm numbing out. I'm actually numbing out a lot more than negative stuff. I'm numbing out really good experiences. I'm missing things that could help me grow. I'm missing job opportunities. I'm missing wholehearted relationships with people. It's the idea of like, what else is possible that I'm just turning my back to right now? And just asking yourself that, not in a judgmental way or criticizing yourself. For me, it was really hard to stop putting on that jacket every day because it protected me for a really long time. And it becomes the devil you know. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you may definitely realize that, and you said Ed, does that sound for eating disorder? Yes. I like that, I like that. Um, You know, you may recognize that, hey, Ed is not serving you and he really could be detrimental to you, but at the same time, it becomes a coping mechanism, right? And so... Mm -hmm. The, you know, the human mind too, the way it works is it wants to sort of validate our previous actions. It wants to remain consistent, even though that consistency may not be a good thing for us. So, yeah. you know, either hitting rock bottom, which I'd like to see not too many people have to go that route or being courageous enough or receiving a helping hand. And I look at this recording as hopefully a helping hand, anybody that's going mm-hmm. through their own thing to just start to challenge you know, the, the path that you know and really kind of call to question some of the behaviors and say, what is it that I'm really doing this thing for? And then being really honest with yourself, it's an opportunity to move forward. To make the most of that opportunity is taking off that jacket and saying, none of us came here to be perfect, even though there are roles that were assigned sometimes in our lives and there's things that we're supposed to be doing. I think a part of having mental health stability is realizing that we came here to be human. That doesn't mean you came here to be a bad person. Right. But the fact that we're expected to show up 100% all the time is just not possible. Yeah. And I I had it was really hard for me to make the transition and it still is on some days to be totally honest with you, but I am not a perfect person and I need to accept that I'm human, but in that process of failing is normal, making mistakes is normal. Instead of shaming myself when things don't go my way, I have to sit in this different space of surrendering to what makes me a human being and what makes it a part of the human experience. And that's it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that shame piece was a big one for me. Like, you know, nobody wants to have their nose just shoved into the shit. Like, look at that. No, that's look why dogs hate it. People hate it. <laughs> literally, literally. And and I had to just sort of reconcile that, like, hey, listen, I'm not put here to be this perfect specimen of a man. Like, I'm put here to, like, learn from my shortcomings, to use them, quite frankly, as strengths to move forward. Because let's be honest, that, that those categories that we excel in, we oftentimes don't really have the opportunity to really learn much from because we already, quote, unquote, excel in them. You know what I mean? So that was huge for me. And so where I want to go now is you now remove the The jacket. Talk to me about that very first moment of removing the jacket and what that was like. Some people say it's a singular feeling. For me, it was more just conscious decisions that took that heavy weight off of me in my life. And 
I think the biggest thing too that probably listeners would need to hear whether they feel like they identify with struggling with body image issues or whether they feel like they have a mental illness or not is feeling sad and feeling happy and feeling anxious and excited, all of that. That's what makes the human experience. And I think people get so afraid. That's why they numb out in the first place with alcohol, drugs. My choice was numbing out with an eating disorder because we're so afraid to feel things that are labeled as bad. But truthfully, anything really deep that I've felt in my life, even if it was deep sadness, led me to something really great and important inside of me. Now I'm able to even love the version of myself. Like I look back on certain times in my life where I was going through heavy things. And I'm like, but that person, that's still a very real part of me. And I have to own that identity. I have to own that. Sometimes you're going to mess up. You're going to go through things that you don't want to go through. But again, numbing it out, that just doesn't, that doesn't change the outcome. Like you have to learn how to feel things. You have to learn how to cope with your feelings because if you don't, again, the truth has to come out in some way. And if you aren't dealing with your stuff, it's going to come out in something that will harm you. And you don't think it is until you're like me and you end up on the floor and you blacked out half a day and don't remember it because you haven't eaten in a really long time. Wow. Wow. That's real. That's real. Yeah. Allowing ourselves to feel things, you know, somewhere in this world of ours, I think we're sort of taught or encouraged to almost believe that we have to always feel good. And so when we had those days when we don't feel good, it's like a challenge to that. And we think that something's wrong with us, you know, Mm -hmm. and it can lead to a very dark place very quickly if we're not, (laughs) you know, aware enough to, to understand that, hey, listen, man, so much of this world and the experiences that are out there, um, so much of the beauty behind them have to do with taking into account the full context, the good, the bad, and everything in between. If you don't go through some seriously difficult times, you don't have the opportunity to experience the beautiful times. Yeah, and life doesn't discriminate. We all, to an extent, go through really difficult things. That's just a part of it. Yeah. And a part of it for me is realizing that understanding, hey, I have a mental illness doesn't make me special. Hey, I have a mental illness doesn't make me different. A lot of people are struggling. It's just how can I show up even when I know I'm not perfect or even when I know Mm -hmm. something could set me off and something, you know, could trigger this negative thought pattern in me. But how can I ask people for help around me to help deal with that, whether it's a therapist or a close friend, someone who can hold space for you, but also how can I do that and not thinking harming myself through whatever it is that you do to numb out? How can I just you know, kind of face this thing and do it in a bit more of a healthy manner. Like what's the point of taking it out on me? That's not going to change what's happening. It's going to make it worse. Ultimately, a big thing that I realized too, that's been really profound for me as far as the eating disorder went when you like, you know, again, I think it wasn't just one aha moment. It was definitely a series of moments that one behavior like self-harming, whatever that looks like is not going to fix the bigger problem. One little, again, behavior of harm. There's so many bigger feelings to that that I'm not facing. It's such a short-term solution to a long-term problem. What is the idea or what's like the, the I guess, common takeaway in people that self-harm? Like, what are they 
expecting that act to fix? Or is it just the idea of taking back control of the situation? I think for me, when I've gotten to a panicky state, because I also struggled with panic attacks when I was in eating disorder treatment. And when I moved here, to be honest with you, I've had a few that were induced by extreme emotional distress. Now I remember to breathe like that breath. It sounds cheesy, but that's the most simple way to like bring yourself back into your body. It's like powerful. You also learn that because I struggled with exercise addiction, but now that I'm in a better place with exercise and I can breathe through my workouts, whatever that is, I can come back to myself again, realize a lot of things in life are figure outable. I wanted to release the pain. So I think with the self-harming behaviors, because I remember I can feel it even now, to be honest with you, from the last time I hurt myself a few years back, like you just think it's going to help with something. But again, I kind of have to view it now, even if that seems kind of harsh or whatever, like this is a short-term solution to a long-term problem. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to keep telling yourself that until it really sticks. Like this one moment where you could hurt yourself is not going to fix the overall feelings you have towards yourself. It's not going to fix the overarching problems you may or may not be looking at in your life. There is a healthier solution to fix them, but it involves facing how you feel and feeling like you have support in your community, like you have the professional help that you need. Mm -hmm. I think those are alternative solutions to harming. Yeah, so it really sounds like people... And it's tough, right? Because mental health is tricky, but you know, clearly the person, the individual, is not in the clearest state of mind. But it almost sounds like you need, you know, in those really dark moments, to have some proactive beliefs around, hey, you know, where is an outlet or a person I can go and find to help me through this challenging piece? Which is like a new tool to use versus going back to the old stuff that you know is not going to move you forward, even if you wanted to. And also, it sounds like you need to like exercise you know, some logic into the equation with regard to, okay, I'm going through this pain. I have an urge to harm, to release the pain, but what if this went bad? Like, like what if this, you know, became the worst case scenario where I ended up in the hospital or God forbid, you know what I mean? Like, and, and that's tough because you're not in, in, in the clearest, in the clearest mindset. You know, I, I had a mentor in my current profession guy that I looked up to like crazy. I mean, he had such uh, ungodly ability to like have a conversation with you, kind of like how you and I are sitting there right now and make you feel like nothing else was going on around you. I mean, you just felt like you just were the most important thing. And, you know, he fell into a dark place where uh, suicide took his life, you know, like like that in his mindset at that point in time. And I thought about a lot about what he must have been going through and me knowing him like it doesn't make sense for him to do that, to see that as a viable option, but something about being in that moment in that time, like maybe feeling like the walls were just caving in on him, like that was the release. I just wonder what we can offer to people, what we can encourage them to do, maybe what skill set we could teach or distribute that mm-hmm. gives them a safety net in those situations where the urge is so strong, right? Because we all have our urges. Yeah. And like urges can be strong, you know, they can be strong as like that random itch on your back. You got to get to, if not stronger. So it's like, I hate to just feel like I'm just talking at people because I don't think it's as simple as talking. Like I, like I think there needs to be something stronger there with way of resources, mantras, which we're going to talk about here shortly that people can fall back on. And I'm just curious to hear from you, a person that's gone through it, 
What's one thing somebody can keep top of mind right now, no matter where they're at in their mental health journey, so that they keep themselves from a really catastrophic situation? It's hard, but you have to know, no matter who you are every single day in the sense of, I don't mean it in in a negative way, like something I said earlier, but like any one of us could leave our houses today and something could happen. That's the risk you take when you walk outside of your door into the world. And you have to know life is beautiful. And I can tell you from someone who had a near-death experience, it's still worth living anyway. The good stuff, the bad stuff, It's almost like you have to tell yourself even when you're in those moments. And again, it's really hard to bring yourself back into your body when you're having a panic attack. And sometimes it does feel, as we said before, to it's more comfortable to use some of the old behaviors of the old coping skills. But sometimes you have to equate it and make it about other people. If the worst case scenario were to happen tomorrow, who would this affect in my life? But being able to ask yourself that when you're in a panic state is really hard. So that's why the breath work, whatever negative thoughts are coming into your brain, it's almost like you have to say the opposite. It's almost like talking to yourself, which maybe that's a little crazy, but I'm like, I guess in my mind, I do talk, like, I do have to talk to myself. I've actually openly out loud, I've given myself some pretty serious pep talks. Oh in man, the I do that all the time. <laughs> when it's getting loud in my brain. As I do far that as, all the time. Yeah. Like, 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 <laughs> That energy needs a place to go. I, I call myself my own best friend, and it's weird. Like, <laughs> I've never really been a, a big journaler. I'm getting more into that as like a comedian to like get that self reflection out. But I used to be the dude that would just like walk around, like just like rattling off whatever it is I needed to do next, just mm-hmm. just as a way to process because it, it felt like it was getting too compartmentalized up here. Or you're right, like when you need a pep talk or just like kind of a stern realization where like you know within that your external you isn't showing up the way that it needs to for whatever the situation Mm -hmm. is like just giving yourself a talking to and I I find it to be very therapeutic and cathartic almost like it's just like it's an outpouring I think accepting where you're at that's where the talking to yourself kind of comes in there are certain moments in my life where I don't ask it to be different anymore including a feeling including a thought including a situation even if it's not right it's not how I want it to be at all I kind of just look at it and I say okay this is what's happening without attaching any labels to it this is the situation this is how I feel about it these are the thoughts that are coming in are those thoughts associated with the truth or are they associated with really negative labels that are unfair to put on anyone? Mm. Would I say that about my best friend if she was struggling with the same thing that I am? Probably not. Mm. The the word that keeps coming up for me, which is just so true and I don't mind saying it over and over again because the more I say I am worthy, it changes it for me even now. The unworthiness, dealing with something called imposter syndrome where you really feel like you're a fraud, things like that. Would I say that to someone that I love who's going through something or who's having a really bad day? God, no. We are way harder on ourselves than we would be on people that we love. That's such an unfair standard. Mm, It really is. It really is. Let's pivot to this concept of mantras. I know that's so much of what has helped you in your personal journey. I know that's kind of like a core pillar in your business, which we're going to talk about here shortly. So stay tuned. She's working on some incredible things, ladies and gentlemen, and other Tell us what a mantra is. What's a mantra in your words? So a mantra is one word or a short phrase, and it's usually used to help aid in meditation, but it can also be used to help develop a more positive mindset. Mm -hmm. 
the way you feel about yourself is everything. And I realized with my whole mental health struggle, I was feeling negative about me, but it's because I was allowing all of these thoughts to come in and I was perceiving the experiences around me as mostly or entirely negative, especially when I was at fault or I made a mistake or I harmed myself, whatever it was, instead of realizing there are problems I'm not addressing, I'm numbing out and I'm allowing negative mantras and negative words to be my truth. So of course my reality is probably not gonna be what I want it to be. Even if I'm going through problems, it's almost like you're feeding those issues even more if you don't like yourself or if you don't accept that you're gonna have parts of you that you love that are so great and there's gonna be other parts of you you don't understand at all. That's another part of figuring out with mental health. You're kind of like, didn't realize that was a part of me, but hey, like here I am. There are still people who love me, who love all of it, but the most important thing is that you need to learn how to love all of it. So for me now, mantras are so applicable to my everyday life because if I don't tell myself five to seven positive things about me when I start the day, life will challenge me and I will forget. If I don't say, hey, I am a hard worker, I'm a caring person, I have kindness, I'm really determined, there are gonna be situations in life that challenge that, especially as a business owner, all the dang time. It's just more... Especially when you're new in business. Yeah. To, you know, like really spearheading a vision that's really coming from an idea, alert, you know, a, a experience that you've personally gone through and you're trying to bring that out into like a valuable service or product that's going to help other people. Like you're going to come across things that you've never gone through before. It's like learning to ride a bike. You're going to like fall quite a bit. And so if you fall and you don't have a mantra to like help you get yourself back up, you just lay there thinking, well, maybe this wasn't for me, you know, and the negative things can kind of start to take over again. Yeah. The, the negative things take over because we don't want ourselves to fall or fail. That's right. a normal inclination. No one does. But like sometimes if you tell yourself, Hey, I showed up, I did my very best. Most people do the best that they can until they know how to do differently. That's also a mantra that I really held on to for most of my life now in recovery that's helped heal me and made peace with the eating disordered part of me. Unfortunately, at that time, that was literally the best that I could do. Mm -hmm. That was the best I knew how to not love myself. That was the best I could show up for other people. But now that I know differently, I vow to show up differently. And that's what I want to give to other people. The positive language, it's not just cheesy things or where you live in this bubble where everything's great all the time. That's not true. That's something I've talked about on podcasts before as well. It's just the more kind and accepting you are towards yourself, when problems do come up in your life, you figure out ways to solve them and you become a better, more whole version of you. Wholehearted living means actually living it. You can't just sit on the sidelines and allow your mental illness to completely take over everything that's so great about you or so great about life. I decide now how I'm proactive and get up off the sidelines of my life is I'm like, hey, I'm going to choose to believe these positive things about me and believe I'm working on being the best version of me when people in my life don't always align with that, when jobs don't always align with that and believe for the best that everything, even if it's perceived as something negative, is pushing me in the path and the direction that I've wanted to go my entire life. Viewing problems not as obstacles, but they're a part of what's gonna help me get to the next place I wanna be with myself, with other people, on my own mental health journey. Again, that's just a part of it. And I don't wanna sit on the sidelines anymore of my life. It's almost a weird 
sensation of like out of body experience when I look back on the eating disordered part of me. It's like I was sitting and I, someone else was living my life. If you can even call it living, being in eating disorder treatment centers, hating yourself every day. I, I understand the power of self-hate. Hate in any way is a really powerful emotion. It can create something. It can create things you don't want. Yeah. So energy is just energy, right? So if you can't necessarily change how you feel about yourself in a day or change what's happening, you can channel the energy instead into being the most powerful, positive version of you. So to simplify that, if I can be this really negative, anorexic, unhappy, toxic person, and I was taking all that energy from the negative mantras and making myself feel as though I was unworthy and believing in the worst about me, that same energy can make me a powerful, positive person and carry a real presence in body image and in the eating disorder recovery community with understanding I might not be able to change certain things about me, but I can take these really negative beliefs attempt to make them positive and love myself into being the very best version of me mm -hmm. instead of, for instance, for me, years of self-hate. Even when I would reach the physical results of reaching the weight I wanted to be, it was never good enough because it stemmed from a place of self-hate. Instead of now, when I reach my goals in my life and I loved and accepted myself into getting there, it's just, it's a completely different path. It's that same energy. It's that same part of me that I don't like. It's that same part of me that created the mess that was my life for 10 years. Isn't that so amazing that you can still show up that positively if you've been that low, you can go that high. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? 100%, 100%. I mean, I think that's where meditation and breath work are huge for me is I realize that like, energy is sort of made equal but that energy can be harnessed towards lower level emotions, shame, guilt, lust, jealousy, or higher level emotions, joy, gratitude, happiness, love, whatever the case may be. And so breath work and meditation for me is an opportunity of pulling myself out of some of those lower level emotions, realizing that, you know, at times they are sort of just a given in life. Life's gonna throw you some shit, you know? Mm -hmm. We're human beings we are susceptible to feeling and to getting into funks. That being said, if we're not careful, if we're not cognizant of the fact that funks can become ongoing, you know, downfalls, which can become like personalities, mm -hmm. that, 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 that energy needs to sort of be recycled in order yeah. for us to like fill some of the higher level things again. And that's where I love breath work. There's a book that I read on my bookshelf over here called Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. And he talks a lot about our different chakra centers and how, you know, certain energies and emotions that are associated with those energies can kind of um, clog the filter. Imagine like a pipe, you know, we've mm -hmm. all had that like nasty bathtub from like our college, you know, apartment that would just get filled, right? Because there's like so much gunk and hair and stuff clogging it. Think of that mm -hmm. as like the lower level emotions that we can kind of obsess over and overly cling on to. Well, if you don't clean that thing out, you know, do the breath or do the meditation, whatever that may be for you, in order to like get that, that pipe clean again, you're cutting yourself off from being able to transfer that energy to a different state that serves you in mm -hmm. a more meaningful and proactive way. And, and again, I think it comes down to 
people learning more about these types of things is, you know, there certainly is a mix of spirituality and science behind these things that, you know, you've got to figure out how that works for you. Agreed. But taking the time to implement things like mantras, meditative practices, yoga, whatever the case that may be, but implementing those things as a way to help you combat these negative things that are going to inevitably happen. Like, let's not try to escape the negativity. It's going to be there. It's a given. You said it perfectly. As soon as we walk out the door, there are a million and one different things that can happen to us. So it's up to us to control how we show up and to control what we can do in our own little cove, our own, you know, whatever the case may be, our own little environment to ensure that we are equipped for the battleground that is out there. And I hate to make it sound so dark, but it's kind of what it is. Like, let's call it In your mind, especially yeah. sometimes I even catch myself where I'm like, well, there is one problem I'm having, but with this anxious mind of mine, it'll mm -hmm. definitely make that problem. If it was like a 5%, it'll go to 95% mm -hmm. really fast. And to anyone who would doubt the power of mantras, because again, like some people, you know, they would think, oh, it's silly. And how can something so small end up amounting to something so large? But I'm like, but who, have you ever tried it before you're about to like, you, you can feel it, the anxiety is going to bubble up or you can feel the anger or the sadness, whatever it is. Have you ever tried just taking a breath for one second? Do you know what I mean? Just taking a deep breath, well, probably more than one second, like you can breathe in for four, hold for seven, whatever works and before you make a decision or before you say something. I just think that's something our society has even lost, taking that mindfulness just for a second. We all want the instant text. We all want instant gratification. Oh, like, I feel like in some ways you become like numb to what you're saying if you don't just stop for a second. Even when things are going really great, just the checking in again, yeah. you know what I mean? To make sure you're still level with yourself. You are everything. The world is not the same without you. Yeah. People in your life wouldn't be the same. Like taking the time to value the good things in you and saying, Hey, like I can, I'm allowed to like stop for one second and think this through. Wow. You've done the work. And I'm I doing think, it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. You are doing it. I, yeah. I don't think it ever stops. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it continues. And that's another thing that maybe we all need greater resolve around, but I, I do want to just like, you know, call a quick timeout and acknowledge you because you know, you speak from such an open and honest place that I can tell you are sharing with us like your lived experience and your current experience and your your truth as a result of those experiences. And you're definitely a person that is not just sort of going through the motions anymore. You talked about getting out of the bleachers and into the arena of your life. Maybe it was my words, but you said something along yeah. those lines. And I can tell that you are a person that has definitely done that. You are doing it and you're building your armor, you know, to, to stand valiantly for the mission that you want to bring to the world. So I want to hear more about that mission. You know, I think we've Thank done, a, we, we, we've spoken very beautifully about where you've been, sort of the lead up to what it is you're working on now. But mm -hmm. I'd love for you to share more about Christina Marie's mantra yes. and, uh, you know, your business that you're, that you're obviously building around that and the live events around body positivity and self-love. Like, what is your main goal? My main goal is to create safe spaces where people are immersed in a body positive cultural experience and a self-love event where they're surrounded by positive people, positive activities. They're surrounded by people of all different shapes and sizes. 
in sort of a less broad sense, I want to give the world a version of body positivity and of how offer hope to how things could be and how things should be. For instance, I host size inclusive fashion shows where all of the models do not look the same. They're all different shapes and sizes. I even had one designer for my upcoming show create sizes that she didn't have because she's like, I want to learn how to make my company more inclusive to people who are in a larger body. And I just think that there was so much self-hate and so many things that I struggled with before I moved here and before I started on this adventure called Christina Marie's Mantra. Mm -hmm. But creating spaces where people can see that, especially visually see what life could be like, you know, if we were to start trying to love ourselves and love other people more and be more accepting of each other, how much that can get rid of the barriers of communication. It can get rid of the stigmas with mental health. Offering fitness classes that are centered around moving because you want to love your body and connect with your body more instead of trying to hate yourself into being something different. Because I struggled, as I mentioned earlier, with exercise addiction. I only worked out and my motivation was I need to be thinner, I need to be better, no one will ever love me if I don't look a certain way. And I think a lot of people, regardless of gender, struggle with that. I want people to feel like when they come to a body positive fitness class, yes, you're going to get a workout, but you're also gonna listen to your body. You know, If you've been working out all week and your body's not really feeling it that day, don't think that's some kind of failure on your part or that you're not gonna reach your goals. You can love yourself and accept yourself along the way to getting there instead of saying all these, again, that really addresses the mantras and like the heart of the matter, whether it's through fashion, whether it's through fitness, whether it's through food education, it's a couple of different areas, but being really openly honest and truthful about, hey, this is what should be happening in the culture, but here's what is, and I wanna show you how to love yourself through this event. I love it. I love it. And you got your first one coming up, I believe, the 1st of February. Yes, it's February 1st. It's called Body Mantra, and it's going to be hosted at the Native Hotel downtown. It's from 1 to 5 p.m., but it's centered around four Fs. Actually, I only mentioned three. Yeah. Um, but it's centered around fitness classes, food education, a feelings panel, and a fashion show. I love that. I love that. And so I want to go a little bit deeper on those four Fs. Fashion, I love fashion. Fashion's great. And I think that's a space that allows us really in a different sort of medium to communicate who we are, to express ourselves. So Mm -hmm. what can people expect from the fashion side of things? Like, I mean, full on like runway, rip the runway type thing or what? Like, I think it's going to be really interesting. There are some surprises planned because I really wanted to, with some of the models, hey, if they felt that they would look good in this certain look or with the makeup, I'm like, very open to that. Um, there are going to be live performers, so that'll be really cool. I don't want to elaborate because this is something different that I've <laughs> we never. We want tried you to before. come, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, there's going to be athletic wear represented. There's going to be beautiful bridal dresses represented. There's going to be people from all different walks of life coming together to address body positivity and mental health. People who either want to learn how to love themselves more, and so they're going to have the guts to walk out on stage and try to do that or people who are showing up and saying, because these are the two things I've found from talking to models, the other ones are saying, hey, this is me, loud and proud, 
love me, hate me, I'm here. Love I'm it. worthy. I'm valuable. And they're going to walk and not ask their bodies to be different. They're not going to wish they were a different size. They're just going to walk out there and embrace all of who they are. Wow. I love it. It kind of just sounds like a free for all. Like, like, you know, come as your most authentic self. And that is way more than enough. Show up and see how self-love can create the positive change you've been looking for it. your whole life. Like, let's get rid of some diet culture stuff. Let's get rid of self-hate as the motivator. Let Again, what's the worst thing that could happen if you still don't feel good about yourself and you've tried different diets, you've tried different clothing, you've tried different relationships yeah. even, and it hasn't worked. Like, why not try to love yourself? It is 2020 after all, new decade. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So how can people gain access to that? Is it like, you know, just come up, show up to Native and buy at the door? Or You can definitely buy at the door. The tickets are available on Eventbrite right now. There's general admission and VIP. Both tickets include access to the yoga class. It includes, because it's going to be a body positive fitness class, but it's going to be yoga based this time. It's also going to include food education, free swag from some of the sponsors I have there that are also in the mental health field. Mm -hmm. And it's going to include access to the fashion show. It's going to include access to the panel of speakers that are going to be there. I just want people to really feel they're getting the all-inclusive experience, the immersive experience, really. I love that. I love that. And I just want to thank you so much for being willing to just like create this opportunity for people to come together in communion with one another and to like hear from other like-minded people, you know, to really just tap into a positive electric type of event that hopefully sets them on their way when they leave that event, you know, more in love with who they are, more self-accepting of who they are and more proactive about showing up as who they truly are. Like I think like one of my, Again, I'm an empath. I, I noted that earlier. I'm really <laughs> to the sensitive, core, dude. Me too. But like, one of the things that really saddens me most are people that feel like they can't be who they really are. You know, whether it's sexual orientation or you're feeling trapped in some sort of darkness that you're currently dealing with. And I think that you being willing to sort of pioneer this type of event and spearhead this opportunity that's built upon such great positivity is an opportunity for people to finally like let go of those shackles that they feel are holding them back. So thank yeah. you so much. And ladies and gentlemen listening, I highly encourage you if you're in the Denver area, please come out to this event. It's at Native Hotel, which is in the lower downtown area. Super cool venue. I've been there a couple times in the past and I've seen the panel. The panel looks fire with the guests you're going to have. Yeah. I know my girlfriend Julia will be on there. She's very, very excited about it. And Christina Marie, again, it's just such a, fo a force, excuse me, for positivity and just goodwill. You're not going to want to miss this. You want to come and tune in, bring your great energy. And like, let's literally like combine that and like exponentially raise our light and go out into the world, you know, a better version of ourselves. And I think that this is the opportunity with coming to this event. So please check it out. Christina, thank you so much for your time. I want you real quick to tell us how we can follow your journey moving forward. Yes, for sure. Again, uh, if you'd like to attend Body Mantra, it is on February 1st of 2020 at the Native Hotel. Tickets on Eventbrite. But my Instagram account and Facebook page are Christina Marie's Mantra. Christina Marie with an S on the end and then Mantra. And I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. I have contact info on there via email if you want to know more about how we can do some one-on-one -on -one mentorship 
or if you want to know about attending one of my events, I'd be more than willing to share my whole heart with you and kind of talk about, you know, more than just my journey. I kind of want to hear whatever it is you're going through and how I can help you since I also have other advocates such as yourself who might be the right fit. Awesome, folks. I will have all of her social platforms um, linked in the show notes so you can find that very easily. Christina, before I let you go, I want to transition to my random route. I call it the free yes, time five. Let's do it. Just as an opportunity <laughs> to have some fun with you. Obviously, we've gotten to some really nitty gritty stuff today, but um, this is an opportunity to kind of take a more lighthearted approach. Mm-hmm. This will be about, you know, a one word to maybe five word answer these questions, okay? So the first one is what's your favorite leisure activity to do in your free time? Oh, my goodness. Honestly, I really like eating. (laughs) It was the first thing that came into my mind. But I'm like, I love trying new restaurants in Denver and being able to sample a food and wine list. Uh, Obviously, I did not have the best relationship with food, but now I truly love to eat. (laughs) I love love that stuff. (laughs) Love it, love it, love it. What's one choice that you made today? Okay, it could be a big or a small (laughs) choice, but one that consciously helps put you a little closer towards your purpose? One choice that I made today to do that, Yeah, coming here. <laughs> cheesy. You're so Sounds lovely. cheesy, but very true because I do want to use my voice. It's very hard, by the way, to ever do one-word questions. I mean, I'm working on that for myself because I'm like, girl, sometimes you really need to simplify. Um, but definitely coming here, it puts me one step closer to my dreams and one step closer to other people knowing they can reach their dreams too. Awesome. If potential were a physical destination on a map, right? What would be more fun to you? Like the drive or the journey there or just arriving in and of itself? Arrival. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, this is where I'll give you the exception. I want to know <laughs> why. I was like, I did it. I did one word. Yeah. Um, because I've always dreamed, like the first place that ever comes into my mind for me that I've wanted to go to is Greece. And I've just, I've dreamed about this place. I've thought about it. I've looked at pictures. On, it's almost like the airplane ride at this point would be so much anxiety because I'm like, I just want to get there. Like, I've thought about this. I've looked at different ways to book the trip. I've, like, picked out some dates in my mind of, like, when I'd like to go, when would be the, quote-unquote, best time. There really isn't a best time to do anything. Um, but when I get there, I just feel like it would be this sense of, like, oh, my goodness, I'm finally here. I've wanted this so much. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> You're going to get there. What's your favorite empowering quote that you love to leave with the audience today? It could be something that either you say or that you've taken from somebody else? I think that when you shine your light, you have to realize and understand that gives other people the ability to do the same. And I'm really big on manifestation. I think that all great things, you know, start as just a little itty bitty idea or thought in the mind. So with that in mind, where do you see yourself in the next six to nine months? I see myself doing more and more events continuing to grow them and also getting way more clear and articulated as far as like what exactly they're going to be because I'm still in the creative stage and I think it's super awesome and fun but I'm excited to see where this goes this has been a really wild unexpected journey for me but as much work as what goes into the events I love doing it having an event that brings awareness to a message that's so strong and powerful and even if it could be just a few people, even one person who could leave that event differently, not the same as they were before. I did my job. I lived my purpose. Christina Marie, thank you so much. Yeah, anytime. This was amazing. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, 
Yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. So there's no better time than the present to get into the arena of your life and to start moving towards your purpose and potential. Peace. Hey, I want to personally thank you again for tuning in. At the end of the day, I really do believe that we're all in this game of life to help one another out. And that the best way we can do this is through sharing our stories more openly and honestly. And so, if you like the show, please take a quick minute to leave us a rating, drop us a review, and subscribe for more. Also, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better and hear your story. Please head over to carlsona.com chat. That's Carl with a K. S-O-N-A.com slash chat to book a 15-minute free Zoom call with me, and I can't wait to see you there.